House of a Bass. I'm Ronnie Adams. And I'm Jacob Casas. And this is Shark Week. And we're here. We got two special guests today. We got Phil Ortiz and Eddie Millis, owner and founder of the Shark Tank MMA since 1995, the pioneer of MMA. Well, one of them. One of the pioneers. That's trained over 100 fighters. Yeah, probably more. Probably more. Yeah. So tell us about that, Eddie. How did you first? How did you? How did? How did you come up with the name, the Shark Tank? I mean, I think we should really talk about how do we even get started. So I, I used to work loss control at Super Kmart. You know Kmart uh-huh. in Anaheim Hills. So there's a Kmart there, and as loss control, we could arrest shoplifters. So I remember one day um, I was working by myself. We had two exits. We called the hard lines and then the grocery exit. And I had a I had a guy stealing like battery chargers, a bunch of stuff, putting them in his coat. And uh, I didn't have any backup. So I was like, so what I used to do is I used to run out the exit and then come around the front. I put my radio in the shopping cart and wrap it up in like um, uh, newspapers or the, the weekly ads from Kmart. And I would see this dude coming out as I was pushing in. You can't stop him till they get out of the store. So next thing you know, he's coming out. I make the stop. He's probably got about four to five hundred dollars, and I think over five hundred back then was like grand theft. So I'm like, hey, I need to talk to you for a second. Come here, and it was on a cracking. And I took him down, and he was trying to hit me, and I he, he pulled out like a small blade out of his uh, pocket, like a really small one. I ended up choking him unconscious. But <laughs> one of the uh, the baggers, the guy that does, you know, they bag groceries and help out, uh-huh. ran over to help. And he's like, oh, my God, what, what was that kind of thing, you know? Never seen it before. Never seen it, which was really cool. And there were two brothers that worked at Ronnie Hernandez and Tommy Hernandez. And Pitbull. Yeah. And they were like, what was that? And I told them. And it's crazy. They're like, well, do you train anybody? I'm not, not really. And, like, we want to train. So I'm like, okay. So I started looking around in Rancho for a place to train. And I'm just going to be honest here. We didn't have a place, but I knew Chafee College had a little gymnasium and some mats in there. So I told everybody, meet me at Chafee College, and we got a coat hanger on a Sunday. And we helped ourselves into the gym. <laughs> yeah. Real story. The truth. And we went in there. And what's so crazy about it is I started training Ronnie and Tommy. And from two people, in three weeks, it grew to like 40. Damn. Then we'd all meet on Sundays at Chafee College till we got thrown out. <laughs> and then eventually I had to find, I split a, a place with a gymnastic studio, I rented spot from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're talking 95, 96. This is when UFC was just starting and jujitsu was getting really prominent. I had a background more in like karate and kickboxing and stuff. And I was doing jujitsu. Okay. Which I got to tell you about that story because I got my ass kicked the first day by my instructor because he wanted to spar me and see what I had. And I I just remember him picking me up and dumping me on the ground and choking me out. But I had a little bit of jujitsu skills, you know? Like, I went and did a couple privates before that. And any event, um, that's where it all started, uh, from working at Super Kmart and having Tommy and Ronnie ask me what that was. And then from there... So you recruited them. Well, they just wanted to learn. Yeah. And so here I am doing loss control, and I'm thinking, okay, I started charging people like 40 bucks for one time mm-hmm. Sundays. Right. Uh, four times a month. And when it grew to 30 people, I was 1200 bucks extra. Yeah. And then um, I started getting more people, 
and I'll let Phil tell you how we met. And we were hungry. Like we like like we were the Lewis and Clark of MMA. We're looking for fights. Now remember it's illegal. Right. So we should talk about like we fought at this club in Riverside back then, it was called Safari Bar. We're like in the third or fourth fight in. Alberto had already fought in one, you remember that? And then the police raided it. Guns drawn, I mean, cops coming in, illegal fight. And so then we would go to Mexico. And Phil fought in Mexico. And I'd take the guys down to Mexico. And that's when we really started getting our feet wet. Mm -hmm. But it was brutal. Because the fighters in Mexico, number one, they a lot of them would inject stuff, like painkillers. Mm -hmm. And the referee of the Mexican fight league was one of their own. So so we would take a guy down, be a side mount, kicking his ass, and the guy would spit out his mouthpiece and bite one of my guys. Damn. So I'd jump in the ring and I'd protest. Remember that one? And all the audience is starting to get really upset. So I'm thinking... They like y'all in our hood. Yeah, so I'm like, how the fuck are we going to get out of here? Yeah. Like, we're in... Go ahead. Paul. I think I want to throw this in real quick to that story while you're talking about it, because when you look at MMA today or you go on UFC... When you look at an event in UFC or any type of MMA event, you see all these people there that aren't even fighters. Five guys walking the guy in to guard him from normal people, which I think is funny. Doctors, referees, right? When we fought in Mexico, we didn't have any of that. You ever see the movie Kickboxer where they just dump him out in the alley, yeah. Yeah. right? That's how it was. I remember I broke my foot. <laughs> I broke my foot that yeah. fight. Nobody came up and said, hey, how you doing? Matter of fact, we got bottles thrown at us, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so it was wild. It wasn't wow. like, you know, oh, I feel safe. Like, you're going to an environment where, you know, are we allowed to curse on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shit's about ready to pop off as it is. There's this craziest energy. You're they in another Americans, country. It felt like it. Yeah, and now you're going to go in there and put your life on the line? Like, you know what I mean? So you had to be a little flippy, you know what I mean? Oh, oh that's what I was going to say. What, what kind of mentality do you have to have? Because that's not, a, that's not an everyday person that goes to work nine to five mentality. Right. Well, well we, we, let me add to it. We were Americans going, we weren't fighting other Americans, brother. We were fighting Mexicans from a team and an organization where their, their referee was their referee. Their judges <laughs> are their judges. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't know what we were fucking thinking. <laughs> it was like the wild, wild west. Yeah. Like, like I mean... I'll embellish it a little bit, but it was kind of like being, you know, Wyatt Earp, Doc Holiday, the little group, right? It was it, because, first of all, not only do you got to go in there and fight and you don't know what's going to happen, but then at the end of the day, you got to collect your money. <laughs> and they don't give you the money right away. They, they would say, okay, you know, Eddie, since you're the head guy, come and meet us at this spot. Just you come because we need to talk to you. Yeah. So I'm going alone. These guys are waiting back, you know, at the venue for their money. I'm going to get the money and I'm thinking... I'm in Mexico. I'm in Tijuana. You know, you can come up missing. Yeah, I mean, when you ask, what were we thinking? I don't <laughs> think we were. <laughs> well, we didn't give a fuck right. because because we wanted to fight. Yeah, and we wanted to prove, and we would beat we would beat those dudes. We would beat the shit out of those dudes, man. And we broke dudes' legs. I mean, we broke uh, Tony. Was it Tony coming? Who broke? Yeah. Uh, the one dude's leg, like in a knee bar, just popped it, and then they put the they put the was dude. Was Victor? One of them did, oh. and put the dude on the stretcher, or was it the was it the, the other Matt? Remember Matt, the painter and everything. There's so many. We had so many dudes, bones, but we yeah. I would take ten dudes down there, yeah. and we'd fight. 
you know, 10 fights. And I mean, it's crazy to think about it now. Like, would I do that now? Would I go down and teach? I don't even want to go to TJ. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you don't I, have I love to, TJ. And, and we don't have to now, but this is the beginning of where it first started. Y'all giving us the beginning of before it even... Like the Explorers, man. Yeah. You didn't know yeah. what the hell. Like, the Explorers, like Lewis and Clark or whoever came to the U.S. and had to deal with that bullshit, we had to deal with that, you know? And um, it's crazy because even today I'll meet people that are, like, heavy into the sport and they really don't know. They don't know because they're like spoon fed, you know, and the mats there, they they weren't even really the ring wasn't even really a ring. Right. Remember how it used to kind of bubble up and there's no athletic commission to say, hey, this mat has to be a certain way the the, the mat the in the ring. So it can't bubble up and, and go ahead. Anything you could get to build to fit two guys in <laughs> to try to take each other's heads off for 15 minutes constituted as yeah, ropes ropes right. we fought not, more rings at first because the ufc had a, a lock on a lot of the cages with me yeah. you weren't allowed to use the cage because the ufc had a monopoly on it so we fought in like a lot of rings uh homemade towards cages, the end of my career I fought in a couple yeah couldn't be an anything octagon. couple i mean we fought in a ha- uh eddie woke me up i used to manage strip clubs and eddie woke me up Six in the morning, I come barreling in, and I'm trying to sleep, and he's like, wake up, wake up. What? We got to go fight. Like, we or me? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so, so we go in the middle of L.A. somewhere at a house, remember? It was inside a in house. In the backyard. Uh, uh, um, that was neutral grounds. An empty house yeah. that somebody had foreclosed on or whatever, and it was like a four-bedroom house, and each room had an event. One was just Brazilian jiu-jitsu. One was like no gi. And then another one was like the little cage where I fought Demond Morris. Remember the, that? The cage was outside. You're right. right. It was outside in the backyard, and it was raining. And, Remember that? And I didn't have <laughs> a mouthpiece. <laughs> I didn't have a mouthpiece, and Eddie said, "Fight!" And I go, "Oh, here's my way out." Eddie, I don't have a mouthpiece, right? He's like, "Hold on, I'll be right back." This guy goes to the bathroom, gets some some clumped up paper towels, and comes <laughs> up, and he goes, "Here, put it in your mouth, right?" That's and like a dumbass. I'm like, "These are howlers." That's yes, what I'm talking yeah, about. Okay, it. so even to this day, I got a chip tooth. Having it's like, <laughs> it's like it's like a bad dream, right? Yeah, but you should have had but, your fucking mouth. So let me. Can I yeah. say how we met real quick? Yeah, go, so let's know that. How's yeah, how you guys met? Real quick, uh, we'll get into some more cool stories. I back in the '90s. Best time of my life. I think it was just like nowadays you go out to a club or whatever, it's cool. Yeah. Back then you'd go to like restaurants and mm-hmm. uh, Red Onions, and what they would do is they'd have the restaurant, and then at nine o'clock they'd shut it down and just everybody would mm-hmm. rush in and party, right? So we'd go to clubs, little hole in the wall clubs where you had to be somebody, you know? And I thought I was somebody. This guy was always at the clubs before me. Like, <laughs> how did this fucking guy get here, right? Yeah. And this dude, like, everybody knew him. Like, he would just stand there, like, what's this guy? What's this guy about, right? But he was cool because I'd walk in and he'd always be like, hey, what's up, man? You know, he'd say hi to everybody. Real nice guy. And uh, he just started calling me, hey, Stallone, like out of the blue, right? <laughs> so I started getting to know him. And then, you know, I, that's how we met. You know, and then all of a sudden one day we get a little more closer. And he's like, hey, man. Did we have a bar fight, though, when you really stepped up? And I was like, wow, this guy, like, I think there was a problem at the bar and Phil, Phil. 
asking me to remember all my fights was so, like asking me to remember so all the meals I've few, had. So y'all had a few bar fights that y'all I can't tell oh, you, I can't tell you that, well, that's the story I'm going to get to. I can't tell you this dude right here. You ever this seen dude, the cartoons where like all this, you know, the cartoon, they're fighting and there's just a bunch of dust and people are trying to call out and yeah, suck yeah, them yeah. back in? Yeah. Yeah, those were like fights. Yeah, I seen yeah. Phil in quite This a is bit. before cameras. YouTube, like you could get in quick oh, yeah, and get, out. get out. Yeah, you know what I mean. But that's so where that's Jacob <laughs> learned it from. He learned it from you guys. I don't do any fighting now. Like I'm cool, man. I don't want any drama. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's how we met. That's right. And so he invited me to the first studio he had, which is in uh, it was in the um, Rancho where the girls gymnastics, uh, gymnastics place, and yeah, it was called Combined Martial Arts. You know, I woke up hungover one day. Let me go see this, you know. I actually went so he'd stop bugging me because every time he'd see me, come and train, fool, come and train, you know. Um, little did I know later he was trying to recruit me, right? So <laughs> I showed up, man. I didn't want to do it, right? I liked the martial arts where, you know, back in the day, we'd wake up Saturday mornings and you see the Kung Fu Theater, right? That shit looked cool, right? But to do the training for that, yeah. hell no. You know what I mean? <laughs> so this dude probably is, like, I haven't been with a lot of trainers, but I'd like to throw a... Uh, uh, a challenge out there for anybody that knows how to train people like this guy. This guy knows how to get your mind going. He knows how to coach people correctly on, on their personality. Because you can't train. I've, I've trained people, too. You can't train everybody the way you want to train. you got to train them the way they're going to respond to the training, you know. So that's what he's really good at. And he got me in there, and we started training. And like I said, I didn't get into fighting. But fighting started getting into me, right? This is cool, right? It was Mentality like, started to be built. You know, back then it was like, like they say it was magical, man. It was like superpowers. Nobody had them. And you'd go out there, like, and you would do something, and people would be like, oh, my God, that's like some Star Wars shit. Yeah, you know because I mean? they didn't know jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. They didn't know footlocks. We were footlocking every, like, I would go study footlocks various places, you know, in, in, in my history of martial arts, and we were footlocking guys. And at that time, a lot of people that were starting to do the Brazilian jiu-jitsu, they weren't hip to the uh, the cross-knee scissors or the heel hooks or inverted heel hooks, all that stuff. We're popping dudes' legs in Mexico. I mean, we were pop, we were ripping, and, and it was crazy. And, yeah, it, we, it, remember Nathan Grego? Yeah. There was I had a 17-year-old from Rancho. Just characters. That All characters, different characters. shit out of grown men. 13-year-old kid, yeah. I mean, what did you say? 17. Was it 17? He was 17. He was amazing. I mean, a professional at 17. He he broke a, a football player's arm at one of the high schools in Rancho. He went. Long story short, he went to go watch the football practice, but he went to go talk to this cheerleader. They were talking, a football dude came up to him after and said, that's my girlfriend. And he's like, no problem. He said, no, you want a problem? So all the football guys came over and he tried to show off. This is 1997, okay? They don't know what he knows. Right. He's been studying jiu-jitsu, grappling with me. His dad's paying for privates. His dad's a real estate dude. He's paying me money. This guy starts a fight with him, lineman, big dude. Nathan takes him down and breaks his fucking arm. Season's over. It's a wrap. Nathan would walk around school after that, and they would part ways. <laughs> oh, no, no, seriously. They would part like the Red Sea because they were like, wow, like this is an ultimate fighter. Remember the UFC was like came out in 95? Mm -hmm. He wasn't an old. He never fought in the UFC, but he was fighting in Mexico at 17 years old, beating up 35-year-old men, 30-year-old men, big dudes. And there wasn't this weight limit like there was now. There wasn't. What else? I mean, I think some of the rounds were like 10 minutes long. Well, anybody can get it at that time, huh? There's fight ways. To, there's more than one ways to win a fight now. Back then, you actually had to fight, right? And, and they had, they didn't have, 
What I notice about MMA now is they have too much time to rest. So all you have to do is be a great athlete. You don't really even show your skills, right? When we used to fight, I mean, we used to fight, uh, there were 15-minute rounds, right? Some Sometimes rounds were 10 minutes. You Some had to fight three times in one night <laughs> to win the tournament, right? Yeah. That's so you're true talking about shit right, right there. You yeah. had to dig deep, right? So what I liked about fighting is I would have never found out what kind of person I really am, right? How... You either found out you're a howler, a howler or a bad, right? Um, and you only find out <laughs> that by taking yourself to extreme situations, right? That's right. Mm. This guy took me to, you know, I wouldn't have been able to tell myself, go do that, Phil. This guy had us go in, right? So I think it started off as ego first because, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to be, you know, look like a little bitch. I'm going to go run up that hill <laughs> five times. And, and I remember we went, we, here's what I used to hate. We met, we had a relationship with Ken Shamrock because Eddie met him, right? So, you know, we party would party with Ken, like, you know, Frank, you know, it was crazy. So he would go down and train when we, we didn't know, and he'd get some how they trained over there, right? So I used to hate it when he'd go down there because I'd be like, oh, he's going to come with some new, some crazy-ass, torturous technique, right? <laughs> and he'd come back I one time. I <laughs> come back one time, and here was the gimmick. Ken had choked out his guys on purpose so that they would know what it felt like. When they got out, they wouldn't panic, you know? So here comes Eddie. Hey, everybody's getting choked out this week. I think, I think I don't, I don't, I don't know, if, I don't know if it was like that, but I will say I, I, I really have a lot of respect for Ken. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, we'd go down to Ken's, and Ken and I, we got to work with really nice guy. with some of the military and, and some of the Navy guys down there, but but that's another story. But, but the training at Ken Shamrock's was absolutely brutal talk about like you talk about this gym (laughs) shit and what we're doing nowadays here's the thing guys like i go to the gym whatever you know i can always draw back on that brutal training if you've never done it you don't know what it's like we used to start off they would take us in a van drop us off on the hill and we'd have to run one mile up this fucking hill and it was either three or five times and the last ones in the group would have to do it again now now remember, three one-mile fucking sprints up a hill. The van would pick you up, drop you back off at the bottom. When you come back to the gym, all right, that's your warm-up. Five five-minute rounds on the jump rope. Not two, but five five-minute rounds. Then you get with your individuals and you shoot double legs and you do drills, hardcore for three minutes rounds. Then you do other drills. Then we do technique. I did a lot of the teaching of the technique then because I was starting to get pretty high level in jiu-jitsu with my training with Joe Morera and Eric Paulson and them, my side training. And then then if you were am, uh, not a pro fight, um, excuse me, if you weren't fighting a championship fight, you had to go in the cage and fight three separate guys for five minutes each. So five minutes on, one minute off. Fresh guy, five minutes on to prepare for a fight. If you were in a championship fight, you had to do five rounds. Then we would cool down, do some drills, and leave. This was two and a half hours, man. And then drive back from San Diego in the car, all locked up like this, body broken, and then come back at night, and I still had to teach. We still had class. So, yeah, so one thing I, I, what a lot of people don't know about Eddie, it sets him apart, too, in those early days, is that nowadays, when you look at... Uh, a fight camp. They got their nutritionist. They got their coach, right? They got a coach for every discipline. Yeah. And uh, and and they and they got a manager, right? Eddie, Eddie's doing all that, and he's fighting, right? Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of freaking work. Uh, anybody that's ever fought, I, I've fought a few times, and the fight for me wasn't the other guy. It was in my head, right? Exactly. I had to, I had to 
being in a space where I had to have no distractions, which was crazy because I'm managing the strip club, right? Um, I had a lot of distractions. So <laughs> I'm like, man, so I don't, I, you know, sometimes I needed that extra, you know, so I, I never thought of that when he was doing that. But when I look back, you're like, wow, dude, that was crazy. We did stupid yeah. shit. You don't know. Like I did fight and lose, right? And the fights I lost, anybody can make excuses, right? You lose, but you lose a lot of times because you don't prepare properly. We went to Hawaii. We didn't know that you can't go surf the day before. You don't really think about that. We're out there surfing and in the waves on a longboard trying to learn to surf because we're in Hawaii. Right. Next day you're fighting, you're exhausted. Or me having to corner six guys and then get out there and try to fight. It just mentally it didn't work. Uh, you know, it was really rough trying to fight and everything. And then, honestly, you know, you, I'm going to tell you a story about Phil right now. you got to think about all these different, for lack of better terms, monsters I was training. I mean, these guys, to go down and fight here and there, I, I, had, I think one time we had 20 guys in the gym, and they were all hungry, and they all wanted to fight, and they were all, it was crazy. It's like the wild, wild west. Did everybody come in as howlers for you, or did you did you have no? There's, there's like a weeding process, right? Yeah, yeah. Like we so, have dudes that'll come in. Like we've had guys that I'm a. Hey, uh, have you ever trained before? I'm a street fighter. I'm like right on, brother. <laughs> All the time. And, and right they would bring on. in. They they, they, <laughs> they come in with their the pretty knee. girlfriend and a video camera. Yeah. And he, and the guy would be like, I want to challenge you. I said, me? I said, hold on a minute. Go go to one of these guys. Mm-hmm. They would beat the piss out of the dude. The dude never <laughs> show up to the gym again. Right? Yeah. Eliminate the bad. But I knew, like, I want to tell a story about Phil, because when I knew Phil was really crazy, <laughs> I always thought Phil was a little off. But well, you know, we're at a New Year's Eve party, and I'm with my girl at the time, and it's her family's house, New Year's Eve. And Phil's sitting just like this to my right, and we're here, we're playing cards. And my girl at the time, she's right here. And some guy walks up to her and says, hey, uh, what are you doing? She's like, I'm just enjoying it. Some guy came to the party, I guess a friend of the cousin. And he said, well, why don't we go take a nice walk together? And she's like, well, I'm here with him. That's, that's my guy. And he looked at me, and he don't know. They don't know what we do. <laughs> and he goes, oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't give a shit. I ain't worried about him. And then Phil says, well, are you worried about me? Takes his glass, we're drinking whiskey, and he bites it and starts chewing on the fucking glass. And blood's coming out of his Damn. fucking mouth. No, that's a real story. I tell the story to everybody all the time. Blood's coming out of his mouth. He's chewing on fucking glass. Real howling. And the dude's looking at him like, <laughs> like, like, what the fuck? Yeah. And that's probably like. I don't recommend that to anybody <laughs> out there. In my that. top ten. That's a, that's a young wolf. That's right. a young wolf right there. Uh-huh. Right. In the top ten stories in life, this is one of them. Yeah. And then, and then subsequently, got a little like we'd go to Vegas, and we were cool. And I mean, we're in a casino one time. We're talking to these girls, and next thing you know, these dudes run up, bump, whatever. Phil says what? They start getting arguments. So Phil would tell them he'd pull out these fucking lines from Rambo or other movies. He goes, "You want to take it standing up or on the ground?" So he'd lay on the ground in the middle of the casino, with like four or five dudes, and tell them, "Hey, I'm gonna give you a head start." I said, "Where do you get this fucking shit?" Right, right. You later. So any event. You know, I think I think yeah, I think a lot of it was ego wow. though too. But I remember uh, when you talk about like. What I liked about it, um, well, I didn't like about it at first, is that back then I was, what, 220, right? And today's standard heavyweight, that's like a, a very small, like 
That's like don't fight at two twenty. Go down to one eighty five, eighty five to fight a middleweight. Right. Yeah, middle Back then there was no weights. Right. So they would you know we go to events. There was some a little bit. Kinda, but you know there was no one. So I was always fought the heavyweight. Right. So and and also they would line you up against the wall. No scale. Go. Let's see who are the the closest in height. Okay, you two guys are gonna fight. Yeah. Right. So I would always be the heavyweight. Plus a little taller than the guys fighting. And so I'd always get the big guys, man. The last guy I fought, I think that was my last fight, uh, Justin Lyons, 395 pounds, right? You won um, them. Yeah, he missed a couple. But you know how he won? I said, listen, I'm fucking tired because you're partying. I'm, I didn't even get into that, but I, I seen him pass out a few times, tongue hanging out of his mouth, <laughs> Cheeto bags all over the place. Just got and I said, listen, yeah. he's like, I really want to fight. Get me this fighter. I said, listen, you lose this fucking fight. You lose this fight. I put, I put the fear of God in him. I said, you lose this fight, you're done. You're off the team, you're out, you're done. It's a wrap. So there's no way to lose. <laughs> you just can't lose. Right. Figure out a way. Right now, yes. Figure out a way when you're out there. And he won. How'd you win that? Guillotine chip. Guillotine chip. Yeah. yeah fucking but I think the, I like the howler mentality. I don't know if you, if like you could say how many howlers and, and or if wolves and sheep are in the world, like what's the ratio, right? But I, I know that what used to motivate me is that I liked, uh, there's a gentleman, I'm not going to promote his podcast, but he's, he has a term saying, he says, taking people's souls. I don't know if you've heard that term before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I look at it like, I know what he's talking about, because I like the look on people's faces when they say, how is that guy doing that, right? And that doesn't have to be in fighting, right? It could be anything in life. Like, and, and I might talk about what I do now, but I liked like like I I like to be original and back then you could do that and look at people and they'd be doing what you guys say. How did you guys do that? Mm -hmm. And I liked that feeling. It was like you know it was like a, what what's the term? No, for that? but but that's the thing. Like yeah. everybody thinks like for me it was about going and winning fights and it really wasn't. I, I, when I came out of the military, I was changed. I went in the military at 135. I came out at 185, 190. My my thing is this. Like I feel like in life you're in a bubble. And once you break through that bubble, you get to the next one and next one, and you grow. Humans, you know, they say that trees always seek the sunlight, the branches branch out. Humans, we stop growing a lot of times. I really believed in everybody that came through. I gave my heart and soul. There was, if somebody came up to me and sat there right now and said, oh, you did it for the money, bull fucking money, are you fucking kidding me? I didn't do it for the money, there was no money. I did it because I believed in these guys. I wanted to make these guys and myself better and get to the next level and get through that one bubble and the next one and the next one and expand. You're creating a pack. That's really what it comes to. Yeah, but, but look, I have a saying, and I said this when I spoke on the leadership conference. I say a lion doesn't look in the mirror and say he wish he was a lion. He already knows. I don't need to fucking get up in the morning and say, oh, bro, you're a lion. Be motivated. I'm already motivated. Yeah. You don't have way. to tell me to go to the gym. You don't have to tell me to run the hill. You don't have to tell me to hit the bag. You don't have to tell me to spar or do this. It's what I do. It's my nature. And I, I'm not trying to be bravado or, 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 boys, uh, um, or bragging or anything, but it's what you do. And the minute you stop and settle on anything you do in life, you stop growing. You get content. I ain't got time to sit around and play fucking video games. For me personally, yeah. I want the nice things in life, you know? And, you know, I think it's really important, too, that we talk about just, like, how you can overcome and reset your life. And, like, this guy 
he, he's been through it. I mean, you know, he won't put too much out there. He'll talk about it. But Phil went from this, right? To, Actually, that. To this. <laughs> Boom. I mean, I mean, we stopped talking. I didn't know where Phil was. I didn't know if he was alive. And he got into some bad things. But now he, he counsels people. Well, if you want to talk about that, talk about you it. You should talk I mean, about hey, it, Phil. Yeah, because... Think about it. Like, this this is what breaks you off from being a bass. Like, you, even especially even a comeback. Right. Like, how hard is it yeah. for people to come Tell back? Tell them how hard it was for you to come back. So, Tell the truth because so, you'll yeah, help I, other people. So, I, I it kind of correlates with, with the, the attitude that I have. So, I've always kind of been a positive guy. You know, I've, things had, I've, I've had things come at me. Um, and, I, and I knew, like, some people will say I give up, you know, top out or whatever. Yeah. And I always come to that crossroad, but something always says, no, dude, that's not you, right? I've always felt that in me, right? That's kind of what I did. And Shark Tank built that, too? Shark Tank Tank, uh, was a catalyst for me finding out more about myself. Mm -hmm. But if I wouldn't have had Shark Tank or someone uh, to push through through certain thresholds, right? Because like Eddie was saying, there's levels, right? For me, it's thresholds, like... If I can become complacent, uh, actually for me, being complacent is going backwards, right? I always have to be doing something, right? Because that's how my always mentality going is. forward. Right. So I got into Shark Tank helped me to give me the tools that what I carried on through a lot of life, which is, you know, don't give up. Uh, you know, uh, if you lose, if you if you lose the the war, if you lose the, the fight, come back another day. You know, there's a, you lost the fight, you didn't lose the war type yeah. mentality, right? Never given up. Uh, yeah, we, we would never give up. So uh, I, after, you know, being in the strip club for a lot of years and, and the fight mentality, I mean, we met a lot of people in high places. So I, tr- I, 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 I struggled a lot with addiction, you know, and alcoholism. And well, you got went, injured, went, right? Went, went to, yeah, went, got injured. But it's went to some dark places, right? Lost some people in there. And then um, so I went some dark places, right, which – if you know anybody that that has done that, uh, the only one that can go in there and get you is you, right? Nobody can, you know. Uh, I see people that I work with today. Uh, you know, they want to get clean and sober so bad. And if I could like touch them and they could do that, like I'm not Jesus or nothing, but it doesn't work like that. They got to do the work. So when I got to those places, a lot of it has to do with uh, believing in yourself and being honest with yourself, right? So if I'm following other people and doing what they're doing. Uh, I'm not being true to myself. I have to find out, you know, what I need and what I want. And so I did that. Um, and uh, I've, yeah, I've, I've been in recovery for four years now, which is amazing, right? That's like a lifetime yeah. for somebody that has to pick up a drink right. or do drugs, right? And through that process, right, I've changed as a as a person. I've grown personally. Like, all those stories, I think they're funny, but that's not me anymore. Like, that dude that smashes yeah. his head through walls and stuff. <laughs> But that that drive, that 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 same like mentality and drive, I just turn it opposite for good things, right? So I use that same mentality and drive to help other people that are struggling with their issues, right? And so I do a lot of Zoom uh, conference calls. Uh, I do I work with at-risk youth, right? Because at-risk youth, they don't know nothing about drugs and alcohol. There's some kids in there that have just had a bad, you know, shake, you know, bad uh, uh, some bad cards, yeah. right? So. What I do is try to help people not change their cards, but, like, try to work the cards they're dealt. Good. You know what I mean? And uh, a lot of that stuff, for me, learned, I learned it wasn't coming from the outside. that It comes from the inside. So there's a lot of stuff that you have to look in the mirror 
mm-hmm. literally, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, reflect. Right. And so I have a home right now um, that I had, kind of like Ken Sh- Shamrock's dad had for, for kids, but I have it for men that are trying to uh, reintegrate back in the community, you know, and trying to, you know, get Stay over their, sober, their right? issues, still right. a sober living home. And uh, I just started that. It was a venue, uh, I mean, uh, a little uh, project I started with a friend of mine. Yes, that, uh, yeah, so, so that's when you what look I, in you the know. mirror now, what do you see when you look in the mirror now? Because you went on a down spiral at one time, and now you built you built yourself back up from that mentality that you had from the beginning, and you and you went down. Now you're coming back up. When you look in the mirror, what do you see now? You know, when I look in the mirror now, I just try to uh, to keep it simple. You know, because I, I have this thing, which is called an ego, right? So <laughs> I could look in the mirror, and it might tell me that I'm looking at something better that's not there, mm-hmm. right? So that's why I have a couple mentors in my life that tell me what I'm really looking at. Because mm-hmm. I can look in the mirror and go, oh, I'm cool, right? And then I have a mentor go, nah, man, you need to work on this a little bit more. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, I just try to look for humility, man. You gotta be, you, it, it takes a lot of humility to do what I'm doing. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't give fighters credit. That takes a lot of humility, too, man. Because you got to listen to a coach that's yelling at True. you. You know, and but there's all like because there's so much internet now and ego and televised and they're all talking shit to each other. That didn't happen. There was none of that back in the day. We're not like doing these big press conferences and being all over. You did it because you wanted to test yourself. You wanted to fight. It was a it strong was brotherhood pure too, yeah. and organic and raw. But won't you say you have to have some ego in life or some ego in? You know, and, I look at life like this because I had a crash a couple of years ago. I, I've always felt I've been surfing in front of a tidal wave, and I've been just keeping right in front of that fucking tidal wave. And I knew, like, I knew one day this is gonna, you know, my my dog died, went through a breakup, and bam, I was in a dark spot. Mm-hmm. But I'm a veteran, and I was able to reach out to veteran services and all of that to get me back up. I will say this: as being the kind of person I am, and having coached so many guys and being the rock for so many friends, when I went in that dark spot, there was no one to really talk to. You can't call somebody that calls you and asks you for advice all the time. And you can't, then I started thinking, well, who are my, and this no, not that anybody's below me, but who am I, who do I respect enough that I can look up to But that's real though. Like you someone at your level. At my level, because I'm not gonna listen I'm not going to listen to you because I know, like, you did all this, this, and that, and you used to have a struggle with this and that. So, so, first thing I said, it's okay not to be okay. you got to realize that. And then then I started look, reaching out to some of the people that I know that I got to work and train with. And some of these guys were in the special operations uh, still in, in, in the military. And these dudes are still, you know, straight killers, and they've been through it all, and they struggled with this and that and this and that. And I got to – there was some re- – it's hard to relate. I always found it for me was hard to relate to people, you know, because, and I don't know if it's something (coughs) twisted in my head, but I don't get it. Like I went, I got out of MMA and I built a million dollar company of something I didn't really even know about. I just had a passion for with my work ethic and, 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 uh, out doing, outworking everybody. Like I'm an alien, you know what I mean? Right. But, but going back to the getting yourself right, it was rough because you're talking to people that they really, they can't help you because they really don't know. 
Eddie, but that's real because um, a lot, I, you, like, it's good to talk about that because there's a lot of people, believe it or not, that can relate. I mean, I be, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I have my own business. And when you go through those dark times, who can you turn to? Really nobody. Well, somebody we know very well that you know very well reached out to me. My brother, huh? Yeah. That's right. And that's yeah. okay. I've had them all reach out to me. The, the thing is, like, you know, I want somebody to reach out to, too, sometimes. Yeah. It's not perfect. Right. It's not like, okay, I'm going to get in this nice car, business is great, this and that. We have our dark places, too. But what I started doing was I started watching people that I respect maybe talk, or I would call them up or listen to their podcasts or whatever. And then... This is my, like, claim to fame right now as far as what I tell people. All right. You know, I see you at the gym a lot. You're a beast. You work out hard. And I really appreciate that. And I do the same thing. Right. However, if we're going to be Batman physically, we have to be Batman mentally. Definitely. And you know what? None of us work on, I'm not saying us here in the room, but we don't work on our brains. Mm -hmm. So I started coming up with this. So I'm going to be Batman physically. And I'm going to be Batman mentally. What do I need to do? I went to therapy. I went to therapy. And then when I didn't care about this one therapist because it felt like, you know, the, the army got her from me, the VA, felt like I was on a clock. I reached out to someone else and paid her myself, paid her myself. And then I Googled shit all the time. Every night I was trying to Google, like, why is this this way? Why are we, how do we reset? How do we fucking become reborn stronger like a fucking phoenix? Mm -hmm. How do we get to that level? And that's something I'm working on right now. I've actually wrote an outline for a book. Because, because if you think about life, my outline is kind of like things your father told you and you wish you listened mm -hmm. and things your father told you, things you wish your father told you that you never knew. A fucking guideline for men. It could help women too, but we don't have enough of that mentorship. So when you look at the Shark Tank or you think about the Shark Tank, was it just about fighting? No way. No, building. I mean, we're yeah. all fucking... Bad news bears. We were all had our issues. I mean, it definitely helped build my character. Yeah. Well, all, everybody's character. I, we I don't even think together. I would be an entrepreneneur if I wasn't for the Shark Tank. Thank you. Wow. I, 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 I look at. I, I follow a lot of people that were on the Shark Tank before, and I mean, I fight on Instagram. They're all doing something with their lives. They are. And why do you think that? Because it's pushed you so hard. Like I've never been pushed that hard, and if I never went through that, I don't even think I would have the mentality that I have now. Right. Like, now, so when you run into somebody that hasn't been pushed like that, but they want to try to gloat or tell you a story, how can you even relate to you those can't. people? Right. You can't. Like, I don't, I don't know how to say this eloquently or the right way because we're on a podcast, but how can I relate if you ain't been there? Right. We've fucking been there, man. Right. We've been there. And there's a lot of different sports, you know. And when you end that, there's no limit. There's no sport like fighting a dude one-on-one on no one-on-one. On one on one. Right. No I think gear, that's what draw, drew you know what me mean? into fighting because... What's that? I, I think that's what drew me into fighting because I've, I've played football and baseball, right? When I fought and, and lost, right, of course, I took the credit for that. But when right. I won, I get all the credit, right? right? And there's Obviously, no sport like that. Coach, yeah. There's no sport like M MMA. There's there there. isn't. I took a Samoan who was doing, working on a farm, and he won the K-1. Remember that? Yeah. Mighty Mo won Mighty the K-1 Grand Prix in the USA. I think he was 16-1. to 1. I put a thousand on him. I, I knew he'd win. We we're working on. He won. I won sixteen grand. We partied for like a week straight. <laughs> I mean, to the victors goes the spoils. But what people really don't know, and we probably don't have enough time, is as a coach for me, it wasn't about just telling them what to do. I had to wake these fucking dudes up. 
I had to tell him when to go to bed. I had to tell him when to eat. I had to call him. Where are you? Where are you? Right? I remember when we fought. Did you remember? Yeah. We, yeah. We, we, we fought in Hawaii, and we were like eight of us. There were fighters in the room, and we had a little session. And we used the couch cushions for the kickbacks. Oh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're fucking, yeah, that's right. And we're like, go, one, two, three. I mean. Kicking cushions, the hotel just, cushions uh, in the. Yeah. And then we, 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 we would fucking all fight in the room. and, and It was just, I just loved it. It was like by the seat of your pants stuff. We would just yeah, improvise, improvise. And that's the mentality, things. right? Yeah, like, you know, I'm playing roulette in uh, Vegas one time and one of the UFC fighters who's, who's was semi-famous at the point comes up he's got his girlfriend he's got the suit on you know and he was a complete arrogant idiot he had no idea who I was it didn't matter you know what I mean because I probably make more money than he does anyway I know I do but it, what he didn't know when he was gloating and talking all this shit is like he's standing next to a guy well, that, those are bass dude like, that, that, how, that, how are you we did that? this shit when there was we did it for the love of it we didn't do it for the money we didn't do it to be on the internet. We didn't do it to be on a TV show. We didn't do it for anything. We did it because we wanted to test ourselves. We did it as a unit, as a team. And, and I'm um, sure back then you didn't get paid that much doing $50. it. $50. $50? And listen, he'll tell you. He'll tell you. We used to beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> For $50. I had dudes. No, I had one dude. Training. I can't mention that's his name. That right I there took him is... down to Shamrocks. He was a... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we took him down to Shamrocks. He well, was always, oh, Mr. Fighter, Mr. Fighter. He came from another gym. That night, he went to his bathtub, and he started freaking out. He called 911. He drove himself naked to the hospital and passed out in the front of the emergency place that he had multiple facial fractures. He's kind of dramatic, but I guess he was dehydrated. He did have a broken face. But, but, but this was a dude, before he came to our gym, that would go fight a couple fights against nobodies, have this big old belt, call himself a world champion, but he didn't pay his fucking dues. You know when the hardest fight is? It's not the ring. It's in the fucking gym. It's training. It's oh, training. Yeah. Listen, those the fights in the ring, that's nothing. And you, it goes by so quick, and you guys have put in, in the gym, hours already in, in the, the gym. gym. That's what ages you, not the fight itself. It's the Listen, ask him how many times he's fucking went to sleep. Or how many times he's been footlocked. Or the whole reason I, I have believe, two hilt if I can say this, the whole reason he got onto his addiction was from painkillers from injuries. Yeah. You know, like we footlocked Phil, or we—I mean, we all have injuries, you know. Um, but, but that's the, the 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 gym culture was brutal. So if you think about like gyms and special uh, forces type in the military, our gym was like that. I mean, we were training at the highest level. We would sprint from Foothill all the way to the top of Haven. We'd carry people. Um, we'd carry sandbags. We did it all, you know? I'd like to say <laughs> something real quick, too, that you don't see today. When we got a fight, there was maybe four promoters in the whole world, much less, the, right? And Eddie knew them all. Yeah. So I think it was Monty Cox. TJ Thompson, right? Yeah. And so it would be like this. That's how Scott I got Coker. the Severn fight. I was training. Ring. Yeah, what's up? Hey, Phil, you want to fight tomorrow? Dan Severn. Fight Dan yeah. Severn Just like UFC that, right? One day notice. You didn't know. Who, and that was lucky. One day notice. Yeah. So, I mean, when we showed up. Uh, we flew up to Utah. Yeah. And so says, we showed up. The, uh, the headliner was on there with him. And then so we came up. And the headliner picture with Severn had canceled. So 
as we come in, they're like, who are you guys? Like, we're the main event. They're like, no, you're not. That guy's the main event. Like, no, he bitched out. I'm here, right? <coughs> Remember they didn't want to let us in? Yeah. Okay, we'll go home. Um, but no, with, with, you know, you would have to, you'd get a fight on a phone call. You didn't know what this guy looked like. You didn't know what his skills were. You had to wait three months. <laughs> you got to see him when you showed up for the fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so it was it was crazy. Yeah. So nowadays you get to see the guy, you, you know, when he eats. I mean, right. What, he likes chicken hey, and fucking steak. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's funny. Well, I mean, I remember even, like, because I would go to work all beat up, right? My face would be all beat <laughs> right. up and everything. Me and my brother yeah. worked at the same place. Right. Yeah. So we trained together. Then we'd go to work together. And we'd walk in, and people would be like, what, what happened to you guys, man? Like, our, that was like the MMA days when we were doing the MMA or kickboxing, whatever it was, right? We'd go in, just our black eyes, busted lips, whatever. And, uh, and they're like, what, why are you guys doing this to right. yourself? Like, what are you, what are you, why, why are you guys even doing this? And, and, and we're like, we love it. Like, we, yeah. you don't understand how, how it made you feel. Like, the training and going, I mean, going as hard as you can, pushing yourself to a limit that you didn't even know you had. And having to go further because Eddie made you go further on that limit. And, and you loved it. Like, dang, I didn't even know I can go that far. Right. I didn't even know I can push that. I remember he, I don't know how many times he tried to kick me out the gym. Get out of here. If you're not going to do it right, get the hell out of my gym. Uh -oh. I, would, I would just ignore him yeah. and keep going yeah. and keep trying to do it. And then he would yeah. just leave me alone and walk away to another He knew person. how to press my buttons. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So but you know, a lot of vomiting. Oh, my God. I used, a to, tell, I used to tell people I had a, a, I had a boss. Uh, little Chinese guy, right? Why you do that? You crazy. You don't make no money, right? And and uh, I'd be like, because not a lot of people can, John. Well, I said the thing. Yeah. Not a lot of people can, right? Right. That's what I like about it. Like, I, we we do you get to do things. And it doesn't have to be fighting. And it's never been Do like something that. no one else wants to do. That's my mind. Yeah. It's do done. something no one else wants to do. Well, I mean, even going in there, you'd have, me and my brother, like, we were young. You know, you'd have that pit in your stomach. Because you know, yeah. there was times I remember, like, for a month straight, all we were doing was sparring, you so know? I, I See, for me, it's like when I hear this nowadays, I'm like, wow, was I that? But, no, but it was great because that made be, right? you it was no. on, I was on autopilot, you know? And nowadays, I still teach, but... He had this look, too. Remember like the look? But, but he had to... I think about it. Back then, I feel like back then, it was right thing. Now, they couldn't even last. No. I mean, no. they couldn't even last nowadays. I feel like I needed that real... Like, like you're building warriors. You're not yeah. building you little... Don't, they little, don't do... They don't make, a, make them like anymore. No, they don't. If we did it like that... You'd have, like, the police Suing. show up. What's going oh, on here? Sure. Attrition, we heard right? some yelling. You know what I mean? For so. sure. And that's another topic. Like, you know, we talk about <laughs> wolves over. Yeah. How's like, over I bad? I can't tell you how many so-called badasses showed up in our gym. Oh, you know, I'm this, I'm this, I'm that. And it was like a TV show, man. We, I, we I, would I have guys that would come in and pay for a year and get two or three shirts show up to one class and never show up again and walk around town with a Shark Tank shirt on. <laughs> I can count, like, five guys in my hands. And they just wanted, yeah, I trained at the Shark Tank. I mean, it was crazy. He had some nice shirts, too. Yeah, I remember. Did. They had the best logo. Right they had the best logo. At? Yeah. Did you ever get this one? Lions, went, Lions Den had this one. I bought one. I was proud to train at the Lions Den, right? Like, fuck, you don't even know, right? You got to almost die to train there. And we'd have a shirt that said, I survived the lion's den. Remember that shirt? Yeah. Did you ever get one? I survived Did the I, shark I got a blue I went into shirt. deep waters at the shark I still tank. have my shark tank shirt, the old school <laughs> logo one. But yeah, I could never I could art, never bring that art. back. Like, even now when I teach, it's it's hard. It's we, like, art. kick each other. But it's more like, okay. I just love my We just have a good time, you know? Yeah, yeah. But 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 it goes with the time. I'm There's no need to create this anymore. 
we're not in the wild, wild west like of MMA like we were back then. Back then, I wanted to go as hard as we can, do what I learned in the military, do all that stuff to create the best fighters, the toughest dudes I can in the shortest amount of time so we can go out there as this sport is growing and fight. I mean, we were fighting every weekend. Yeah. There would be a show in, in San Pedro on a Wednesday night cage combat then there'd be a show neutral grounds on a saturday then there'd be some show out king of the cage when they were starting or any of these other shows and we were doing them all we're just i mean these guys were fighting like crazy i mean we we, we went to events i remember the, the one event we went to and uh, and chuck liddell walked right in front of me and um, at that time i didn't know who chuck liddell was but everybody know he has a mohawk right and to this day he's same hairstyle and i remember seeing him and then like two weeks later he was on the UFC, and I'm like, oh, we know this guy. So it's all like, I remember. Tap out guys, yeah. you know, yeah. amazing. Those guys. We knew Charles. I want to say, Charles, God, you know, awesome Charles, dude. man, I love you yeah. in heaven. God rest, rest in peace. Rest in peace. What an amazing dude, yeah, Dan. Dude. All the tap out dudes that would support the fighters. Then they, that company made it. To see the tap out guys be in a van, giving out free shirts, making nothing, to becoming multimillionaires. And sadly, uh, Charles lost his life at the height of that, you know, in a car accident. A wonderful human being. I had a great relationship. But we were, the relationship was so good because we were there at the beginning. Mm -hmm. To be there at the beginning is unlike anything else. You can never take that away from me. You can say, all right, Eddie's lost fights or, you know, Eddie this or, you know, he's got this. But, but you can never take away that, you know, I was doing stuff that you will never do ever. We were. You know, again, I use Mexico, but I don't talk about, like, TJ would called me one day and he had five fighters drop out because I need five fighters in Texas. So we rented a van, I called these guys up. There wasn't like, hey, you guys want to fight Saturday? They're like, no. I said, we're fighting Saturday. <laughs> right, right. On a Thursday, <laughs> rent the van, 12 hour drive to El Paso in the van, got Danny Fowl playing guitar, we're singing bullshit songs, smacking each other in the head, you know this, yeah. doing stupid shit, going there and we fought and won five out of six fights. Yeah, it was just like crashing a party. So you want to go to a party? And then, yeah. we go to then we went over to Mexico and party. Yeah. So what kind of challenges did you have to overcome? Like, can you tell us about some of the challenges you had to overcome? Like personal? Just personal in your field and, and career or just any challenges? Personalities? <laughs> I think the hardest, Dealing with people. I think the hardest challenges were for me was I felt like a babysitter. Always. I mean, I... I I could get into individual stories. Like I, I had one very big champion fighter. I had to bullshit him and tell him that the organization was sending spies to the gym to watch if he was training. If you're not training, they're going to cancel your contract. Dang. I had to, that's good. Though. That's a good one. That's good. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I had to, no, but you got to think quickly. Yeah. So I think that was the biggest challenges for me personally. Um, I wish to God that I wasn't fighting and trying to train people at the same time. And then, it's a brutal business, you know, because you see even today fighters jump from one gym to another gym. Loyalty is a big issue. Mm -hmm. And to give so much of you, you know, it's funny because for a long time I never got that thank you. And now every couple of weeks a different person reaches out and you, you changed my life. You changed my life. This guy reached out to me after I haven't talked to him in a while. He said, hey, you mind if we talk and everything? And... It was great. He's like, hey, you know, I would owe, you know, I owe a lot to you. Um, and that for me is great. I don't necessarily need it because I kept moving forward. Um, it keeps you going, though. It keeps me going. I think my biggest challenges are, for me personally, 
as a human being, is always, always quick, too quick to say, you know what, fuck you. If I'm with a girl and there was one or two problems, I'm out. I ain't got time for this shit. I'm going to get another one. I never took the time to really talk and work it out and, 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 and give it that extra uh, chance. Give it 100% to make something work. I was like, all right, it's that way, that way. I don't need you in my life. I'm gone. Too quick to walk away. And now I find out, now I've learned, excuse me, that you really need to talk to somebody and hear what they have to say. You hear what they have to say and you work it out and you try to, you come to it. Getting along is very easy. You just got to let your ego go, you know? And it's hard for one person to say they're wrong when someone is, you know, they're right. or You know, you have to, so I worked on that a lot and now I'm able to just step back, be calm, and it always is in Eddie's way, you know? Um, it's hard though when you're a leader. You, you led. You, not only did you lead um, men, you led a gym, you led like tough men. So, so you got to think about like the way your mentality is. So, so that person is gonna have to keep up with you regardless. You know, yeah, whoever you rough. get, and it's hard to. You're, you're leading like elite people. You're not leading just you know like like a, a business and, and and have certain people working and this and that. You're leading tough people. So whoever's gonna be that partner of yours, I feel like they would have to be a tough person. To be able to yeah. hang with you. And yeah, of course, we always got to bring down our ego a little bit on that. We got to kind of get on Have that a balance. Yeah. There has to be a balance. But you got to think about that too, Eddie. You're, you, you're like, sometimes when you're on top, yeah. you're a little lonely at the top. Of course know? it is. And, and there's the funny thing is, too, uh, for a lot of fighters, we get a bad rap. Like, there's no violence at home. You know, you don't put your hands on a woman. You're not cussing. If I got to cuss at you, if you're my girl and I got to cuss at you or call your names, you. it's a wrap. Right. Yeah. Oh, for if sure. it got that far, it's a wrap. I don't want you. I don't need you. Um, but I will say that it's hard still today to relate to people because remember, you, what did you say in the car? He cracked me up. He's like, you know, in his Rambo voice, you know, I, I've, done, I've lived six lifetimes. <laughs> I mean, and he's right. Like, I've done so much with nothing. It's hard for me to relate to someone unless they have that ethic, that work ethic, mm -hmm. unless they um, continue to push forward. And I hear sob stories every day. And the sob stories that I hear are like, I, I want to throw up in my mouth. I don't want to be mean, but it's like, oh, you know, I don't like this girl, but I haven't talked to her for two weeks. And I don't know. Like, brother, like, get the fuck up, get to the gym, <laughs> do something with your life. You sit around and you're doing nothing and you're calling me to motivate you. And and I can only give you so much, you know? And it's very draining. After our heyday and Shark Tank, I had to stop. I needed a break. I needed to get my energy back. I needed to find a way to like, get 100% back. And now I'm able to balance it. I pick and choose what calls I want to answer. I hang out with, 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 with the right, good, positive people. And I surround myself like King Arthur did. You know, the reason why the Knights of the Round Table, the table was round, because King Arthur wanted to let everybody know they were equal. So if you're at my table and you're sitting across from me, we're all equal. Iron sharpens iron. So yeah. that's, that's, that's how I live now. Definitely. That's you really know? good, actually, to yeah. think about it that way. You have to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to. Otherwise, you know, like. I mean, you're as weak as your weakest link. So if you're hanging around that, you know, it kind of works out that way. You know, yeah. I mean, this is a perfect example. I mean, you have your. Your wolves and your sheep, right? <laughs> if a wolf hangs out with a sheep too much, 
he gonna start bad, right? Yeah. But on the other token, if a, if a sheep hang out with a wolf, he might start howling. So for me, it's I have a strong support system around me that have the same, you know, focus and goals that I have. Right. That's good. I don't want to go back in that dark place, man. Right. right? So I hang out with the dudes that don't want to go in that dark place, right? So and that was a great question. What helps me, me, because I'm a very judgmental motherfucker, right? I say, oh, you do, 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 right? But I don't point at me, right? So I, I, I learned not to talk, take things that personal anymore. Back up a little bit, relax, right? Assess the situation. Um, but I, but I know that I don't like to get in that victim mentality, right? I know well, a wolf ain't sitting there crying because somebody stole his sheep, right? He's like, fuck it, I'm going to go find another one, right? Yeah. So that's a lot of that mentality was I had in the fighter. I bring that out as a fighter. You know, yeah, do I have to pay bills? Do I live a normal life? Like, yeah. But when shit hits the fan, right, I just, you know. You I don't know if you could teach that, yeah. guys. Yeah. I struggle with it. Like, you could take a skunk and paint it black, but it's not a kitty cat. Right. It's still a yeah. skunk. So I see these... I have friends that go to the Tony Robbins seminars. Yeah. Oh, they post it all over the internet. I'm at Tony Robbins, you know, for a week and empowerment <laughs> and leadership, and I'm going to come back and crush the world. And they come back and they're motivated for two weeks and it ends. Like the scorpion and the frog, you are who you I think are. It's purpose. We can motivate people, and I hope, like, in this podcast, it reaches somebody to know that you can go up it and will. come down mm-hmm. and get back going up again. But I, I and I don't want to, like, make people feel bad but i think you either got it or you don't in a lot of ways and, and that's true though because i mean a lot of times i mean we might reach some baths here and there but in reality i mean the, the most people we could probably reach would be the ones that that went down for a little bit and they can come back up that's what we need to i think that's a big thing because we all have you been down like, some, yes definitely you've been down you've been down we've all been down but what makes us different we get right back up on we the get horse right again. back up i think it's been said a lot too uh being a fighter or, or it's it's not not having fear, it's having courage, right? And you don't have to be a fighter, just don't give up on yourself. I, that's what I learned. So many times I wanted to give up, right? But I had all these people, my family, other friends going, dude, what are you doing, right? Like they, they weren't like, yeah, get fucked up, Phil. We want to see you more fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. They were like in my corner, but it wasn't until I got in my own damn corner. I was blown away when he went like, like down. I couldn't make Fast, right? when you were lost in space. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't reason. I didn't understand it. I'm like, this is a fucking Phil. This is Phil that took a fight on one day. This is a strong dude. This dude that eats glass. This, dude that, <laughs> this, dude, this is a dude that'll fight five dudes at once right. it, with no hesitation. Like he, he. You remember it. the time you stopped me from going and fighting out on that one Vegas? It was like a forty-story uh, club, and I told the guy, "Well, let's go outside on the on the on the deck and fight." Remember when you broke that up? <laughs> Idiotic, but yeah. But, but but he would do all. So so my thing is when I see, <clears throat> it was really important, and I hope in the future we can get to the point is when you have that moment of weakness, how do you make the right decision? Because life's all about decisions. Mm-hmm. Somebody pulls in front of you, and you get a little bit of road rage. All it takes you is to cut them off the wrong way. They flip the car, they die, or it's wrong. Or we're in a bar, somebody runs their mouth. I hit them, they drop, they die. It's so I'm, I'm learning more and more. Like these bar incidents, if if there is ever one, first of all, I don't put my any put myself in any situation I can't walk out of. Yeah. Like I think De Niro had said something like that in Ronan. So I don't go to certain bars anymore. 
I just don't want to be around that. Now, a howler has to have discipline, too. So you taught a lot of discipline. That's why I see, I hear these guys, because they, you know, they've been around you. So tell us how much discipline did you have to teach, you know, from the beginning, as soon as you walked through the door? I, I like to think also we, like, well, we were, I always told every don't fight on the outside, guys. Don't go they around did. looking for trouble. Like, if trouble finds you and everything, that put, there were other teams, I don't want to mention any names, I don't want to give them any credit. I know which ones. Yeah, but they run around and have their <laughs> shirts like on. The real cool. We got hit up, hit up by them, too. Yeah, yeah they, our they, generation. They, they would be, you know, in clubs, I'm a fighter or whatever. I'm this. We didn't do that, man. We let no. our talking be done in the ring. So we were never, when I talk about Phil, like, getting into fights or whatever, I've never seen Phil start a fight. Uh, on the way over hill here, Phil wanted to pull over and help a handicapped guy that was stuck in his wheelchair in the middle of the street with this lady, but he didn't want to be late. We were on our way over. That's we have nature. bad weather right now, too. Yeah. yeah. That's his nature. Phil's a, all the guys on the team, I can genuinely say, were really good dudes. The scumbags, we weeded them out. What actually even made you a better person, though, because I walked in that gym with a chip on my shoulder, too. Me and my brother both did, and we got humbled the first day. I mean, we didn't know how to stand right. We didn't know how to do all that, getting kicked in the leg. I, and I'm, I'm shout out to Albert who, when he went to the gym, he humbled me and my brother the first day. Yeah, you get leg kicked. You know no I mean? one knows what a leg yeah. kick feels no, like. No, you definitely like they say, right? You got to leave the ego at the door. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, how we say it in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu: the more you sweat on the mat, the less you bleed out outside. Right. So yeah, ego. There's nothing wrong with having an ego. No, it's, it's confidence I just have too. to know when. You know, not yeah. to turn the volume yeah, on. Yeah, you know exactly. Saying? Like, I see Ken get a lot of heat, Shamrock. But but I haven't seen a real documentary about that guy, yeah, about how inspiring someone, he was and how good of a dude. They talk about he looked up to him. He like lost he a the Tito. Who gives a fuck if he lost a Tito? You well, know, you guys are the pioneers. I mean, I mean, how hard is it to be a pioneer? I mean, you guys are you guys created this sport. You built it. Yeah. You know, people from were scratch. watching y'all. Yeah. So how can you how can you say like oh forget them forget that you know it doesn't make any sense because it wouldn't even be built without you guys. Yeah, and I mean you got guys that were fighting an extreme challenge with Monty Cox that are pioneers. So you got a group of a few hundred people. They're doing it in 95, 96, 97. Um, thank God for Hoist Gracie and Ken for, you know, fighting in the UFC and chemo and those guys and bringing it to light. And 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 for the Brazilians of bringing their knowledge over to the U.S. and making us all better um, because it wasn't until my instructor put me down and choked me out that I realized, wow, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the real thing. Mm -hmm. And I was a fan ever since. Um, but again, um, it takes a certain person. And our attrition rate, You'd come to join the Shark Tank. I had to make money. But I didn't want to at all jeopardize or or weaken or dilute the training. So if I was Mr. Good, cool dude, making everybody feel good, I would have 400 students in a month. But we had an right. attrition rate of about two would last out of 10. You know, it was, it was oh, yeah. kind of like you know, when you see out. the seals hit the bell. That felt that made me feel good when you saw someone leave. Like fuck you, I'm still here. I, I actually <laughs> liked that in a, in a way yeah. because I'd be yeah. like, these guys ain't lasting, right? And it, you kind of think, dang right. man, like they got they got no heart. Yeah. Two out you know of ten, I mean? and yeah. they do it like this. See you guys tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. they would. They, 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 they would. They would act like they're coming yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but those baths were the guys. Like if I ever wrote a book, the the, the guys that were the the baths were the guys that came in and thought acted like they were the hardest right. <laughs> or the and guys the like that were doing, I, I don't want to say this because I don't want to be, but there were guys that were doing professions 
where they thought they were badasses and they come in and get kicked in the face and have a little tiny scratch and be like, you know, it was crazy and to this me. This is for real. Yeah. So, so the attrition rate was two out of 10 would make it. If that, two out of 10, one out of 10. You know, I think, I think that's a good point too because I remember learning, this is what I learned fighting. I wasn't fearless. I just knew where to put it. Yeah, at that's, a certain that's time, the greatest right? way to, to yes, say that. Yes, because I don't even—I wouldn't even know how to put that. You put that perfectly. Yeah, perfectly. Right. Because you walk—you walk in that place. <laughs> you walk in that place with a pit in your stomach. Right. But at the same time, you were excited. Right. But you're like, oh man, this is gonna hurt. <laughs> right. But I'm gonna have fun right yeah. now. You, you know, know what I mean? He talks yeah. about blood sport. I mean, the first time we were in Mexico, the, it's packed, uh. and you're in a like cockfighting arena with a, with a makeshift ring. And you don't know what's going on. You don't know. You yeah. don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they talk about CT now. They, you were allowed to kick someone when they're laying on the ground and Tra- stomp them in the head. Traumatic brain injury. Yeah, CT. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was. Um, yeah. They, matter of fact, they <laughs> called it no holds bar. Yeah, no holds bar. It was bar. called NHB, right? Yeah, no. It, it wasn't from called no holds bar to cage fighting then MMA. Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked about this here before. I mean, part of a man is being courageous. And where does courageous come from? It comes from fear. Right. So I mean, you have to. You have to. In order to be courageous, you have to have some fear. In it's you. not the absence of fear; it's moving through yeah. the fear. It's right. crazy exactly. because I'm. I, I have a like. It's, I love to bring this up because this is a side topic. But I was with my ex in New York, and we were walking, and she told me she's like, "I really feel safe walking with you." And I said, "Well, why?" She goes, "Well, my ex boyfriend. We were walking one one day, and two guys howled out of the car, and they slowed down, and they said something like, "Hey, you better effer." Because we would, and he didn't do anything. And then she told me, I know you would do something. I didn't answer. I said, I just shook my head, right? But the truth of the matter is, I probably wouldn't have done anything. Because I'm not stupid. Right. Like, I'm not going to go up against a gun or two dudes in a car who I don't know what's going on. Now, if it's my back against the wall or we're mono to mono here, I, I probably would have. Yeah. But, but, but it's probably about a smart fighter. You're a smart fighter. I'm smart, right? But the fact that she said that, it did make me feel good. And she, she trusted. Felt, she felt it. She felt protect. What happened? Oh, sorry. She trusted. That she you felt were protected. protected and um, I mean, I think that's a good thing, right? And I feel like a lot of people that train the Shark Tank got that because we get it all the time too. I get yeah. it all the time from, from females. I think it's how you carry yourself, and a Shark Tank has a lot to do with that. Right. Obviously, we wouldn't be in the Shark Tank if we didn't have that already in us. But if you lasted in there, it made you better. Or, you know? or maybe you didn't know you had it for a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of guys didn't know how badass they were. And then and then you don't know your limitations. We still don't know our limitations right now. I mean, I do, I think, to a certain degree. But what what is the human mind Man, capable of? When did when did you when did you notice that he was a badass? Phil was a badass. Well, I told you after I ate the glass. I never said no to a fight. Or honestly, I he mean, never said no to I love fight. Phil, and we'll probably get into the, this talk on the way home. But when Phil first started, man, I mean, we beat him up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That was Phil part up. of the process, man. We beat Phil up <laughs> daily. You know, not just one of us. He'd go with another or whatever. Because a lot of people you said would leave after one dude. or two oh, days. Yeah. He's a big dude. And he looks mean. Mm-hmm. And it was nice to put, you know, to test him, to put the shin on his head, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. But, <laughs> Did you, was he talking yeah. shit as if you had to put yeah. him in his place? I was a human pin cushion. <laughs> yeah. Me and my no, brother were, too, for a, like I mean, a while. Oh, yeah, you came in as a big guy, and they're like... 
Yeah, I was like, you know, I came fuck, in, fuck. and I think they probably thought we were going to, like, because Jamie looked at us like that, too. Like, oh, well, everybody comes in here, but these people aren't going to last. Yeah. And so I'd be in there, and I'm like, man, I'm not stopping this. Like, oh, my legs are getting kicked out, so I'm, like, I'm like getting so mad. And I went out with everybody, uh-huh. and I never just sat back there with my thumbs in my thing, right? Yeah. In all the videos, I'm always out there sparring. I'm doing it with everybody. Oh, yeah, he was out there. I was always out fighting all these dudes. But I'll tell you something I learned. And I learned this from Remy Bochansky. He's um, from Holland. He's a two-time or three-time K1 world champion. And when Remy went to his gym, he was, in, he was getting his ass kicked daily. He told me this story. And then he said there was an amateur champion in him that from the gym he comes from, and he was sparring with him. He started beating him. Then the next thing you know, and six months later, he started beating one of the pros. And then the next thing you know, he started handing it to all the pros. And next thing you know, he's the world champion. Because he went to a gym, and he stayed in it. And through attrition, he came he, he, like a diamond. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fucking through the pressure mm-hmm. and getting hit. And, and so, in a sense, this guy, he's not really a diamond, but... You know, you know, uh, maybe a fake Sarconi. Sar- 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 you know what, though? You know, a lot of the fights, I wasn't the greatest skill, right? Mm-hmm. I knew how to do a little something-something. But how I won a lot of fights is the guys would get tired beating me up. And you had heart. They'd get tired beating me up, mm-hmm. man. Right. So you got them. Yeah, but they were like... I'm like, okay, now I'll go. You right. know what I mean? That's so, one thing yeah. I want to say about Eddie's gym. I think it's like, a, a, to me, it's a massive, me and my brother both think it's a massive difference between other MMA gyms is the Dutch style kickboxing. Yeah. So every, everybody else teaches more Muay Thai. And I think the Dutch style is so much better. I mean, yeah. I love it. I love Dutch it style is, kickboxing. It is, but it's a way that we present it. Exactly. Like, even when I went to Thailand three weeks ago, I was leg kicking a couple of the Thai instructors still, and they're like, wow. Because not all the Thai gyms leg kick or feel a leg kick like that. I think that the way I learned and the way it is, and some people say, oh, they got to do more movement. They got to do this. That's not my style. My style is stand in front of you. Let's bang it out. Let's see what you got. You hit me with this, I'm going to hit you with something twice as hard. You kick me, my kick's going to be way more devastating, right? Yeah. And and we're, we're, we're mano no mano. We're going to show that we're tougher, we're stronger, we've been through it. What we did in the gym is easier compared to this fight. What are you going to do to me that I haven't got done from my other 12, 15, 20 sparring partners? I think yeah. the cool thing is we learn technique. and Because I was the manager, so I, I got to hire all the bouncers. So it was all Shark Tank at the clubs, right? All three of them. <laughs> and we would use the techniques we learned that night. You know, if something yeah. happens, I'd be camoring somebody right there, you know, and they're like, what's that? Like, just tried it today, man. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was crazy, At the man. Bars? Yeah, yeah, all of us, man. It, it was crazy. It was fun, man. It was fun. I, like I said, I'm not like that anymore. When I look back, it's like, wow, you're a crazy motherfucker, man. You know, but um, yeah, it was a good. Time, I, I disagree man. with that. Let me tell you why. And I'm not. You know yourself more. You're not like that because you don't have to be. But I promise you right now, as I I would guarantee, if we walked out of this this place and there was three dudes out there by the car or whatever running their fuck, it'd be on and you'd be howling. Well, well, you know that's what happens. <laughs> right. That's what happens. You just and put I it away. And bro. I don't need a full yeah, boom. And it stays right? inside. But you. that's what happens. That's what happens. I'm older now. That light switch, it's not always on. I know when to turn it on and on, right? Exactly. That, that's what makes a real how, I, I think. Yeah. Knowing when to switch it on. You don't, I don't have to show people my switch. No. But, you know, and that's what I've learned, too, not to, 
Not to react, respond. Reacting is like... But I knew you had a switch when you first walked in the door. Oh, I, I didn't know how to turn it off. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah well, yeah. yeah. You, you can see it in Especially, people. I mean, if you're a howler, you're going to recognize a howler. Right. So the mentality is, you know, I feel I feel that pressure. Right. You know what I mean? The so energy, like you said, yeah. But stay, yeah. stay humble. Right, definitely, 100%. And I know we're almost done. Stay humble, but I will say this. Because, you know, we see each other at the gym. I ain't walking around with fight shirts on. And how many how many dudes phone. today do you see in the gym walking around like they're all hard right, and, all the time. and I laugh, all man, because the they don't know all the time. So we'll go we'll go with you first, Eddie. Yeah. What is the most memorable moment you've had when it came to anything that had to do with the Shark Tank? The most memorable, maybe like the toughest, the hardest, the, the whatever, like the even the the the, the, the saddest. What what most memorable out of everything though? I think there were two. I think one would be when uh, Mighty Mo won the K1 Grand Prix. It was a culmination of a lot of work to get to the biggest league, the biggest show in the world as far as kickboxing. And for him to go out and win three fights in one night. And, you know, um, of course, he's the fighter, but I'm the trainer. I'm making sure he's doing the right thing. You know, in between fights, you can't lay down at that level. If you lay down, you cramp up because you just got done doing a fight. Knowing how to keep the fighter moving and all that, and him winning and me getting the accolades. I mean, I think there was a article on Sherdog that said like I was like, when it came to kickboxing in the US, I was like the man. So that was really nice. It was nice reading that. Also, somebody coming to me and telling me like, hey, I think I did a, I did a, a show, a documentary the history of MMA and Bruce Buffer's on it and they introduced me at the beginning and all that. We talk about tap out and all that. But after that, you know, I think Bruce told me, he's like, wow, man, it's like, look what you, how many, you've had over like 400 fights. Like, not me personally, but through the guys, through the training and going all over the world. And when he said over 400, I'm like, how do you know that? Like, I didn't even realize that. Damn. And that was a nice accomplishment to think about just taking it from, Working at Kmart, lost control, to having two guys two weeks later, 30 guys, and then two months later, guys, you want to go fight in Mexico? I mean, I don't know where it came from. It wasn't forced. It was like just was something inside me. You know, I, there's no plan because there was no money in it. Yeah. You can't say it fucking made any money. Let's, one quick thing. When a fighter fights, the trainer gets 10%, and if he's managing, he gets 20%. I'm gonna take twenty percent or fifty fucking dollars. Wait, 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 fucking <laughs> That's when you could get your money, right? That's if, yeah. if you got your. Money. I mean, but there's I can't. We're talking about Hawaii too. We'd go take fights because they pay our plane ticket and our hotel room, and we'd get some meal money. We just wanted to go to Hawaii, man. We wanted <laughs> to go to fucking Hawaii. Been to Hawaii six times. We wanted to go to Hawaii. We we wanted to experience stuff. Um, later on, when we do another podcast, or I come back, we'll talk about Russia when David won and beat the Russian champ. You want to talk about right out of a Rocky movie? They sent hookers to our room the night before at one o'clock in the morning, five foot 10 Russian women that were... F Trying to distract. <laughs> to distract us. Mm -hmm. Like a Rocky movie, we would get out and run in the morning, two days before the fight, they follow us. It was just like Rocky IV. Yeah. We'll talk about that another time. Mm -hmm. But the distractions are what they tried to do. So my two... Right now, my memories was winning the K1 Grand Prix as a trainer, and then uh, them recognized me as a trainer and saying, "Wow, you you really did a lot," you know. So that that felt felt really good. 
That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. that's amazing. And Phil, what about you? What is your most memorable moment? I'm, and how about you say in life, Shark Tank included, whatever you want to put out there, like like in anything you've been in. When is your uh, what's your most memorable moment? For Shark you? Tank, I think, was cool because you know I didn't even, I didn't know it's not like I you know was in elementary school like I'm gonna be a cage fighter one day you know I didn't know right I wanted to be like a commando or something like that right <laughs> so that didn't happen I, I just wanted to fuck people up I don't know why I'm a little kid I want to fuck people. and I'm like a little shy kid you know but um, doing all this training and we did like pancreas which was like kickboxing rules but you couldn't punch in the face because it was illegal. And then we got swooped up to go to Hawaii. And who isn't a fan of the Rocky movies, right? Right. Uh, now it's Creed, right? It's pretty awesome. But uh, seeing that visual of any fighter, he comes out, he stands there, and everyone's like, wow. And then the smoke and the fireworks and shit. And then you come out with your walk. Like, that's badass, right? So when that happened to me in Hawaii, right, Blaisdell Arena, I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. They're paying me to go out and fight. We go to Hawaii, and everyone's like, Right, they love fighters. Right, they're yeah. warriors out there. They're they like warriors. we're on. A, we're like on a uh, their version of MTV, right out yeah. there in Hawaii, right yeah. on this little island. Uh, all this like notoriety and prestige. Radio interviews. Yeah, radio interviews, and then a press conference, and uh, it was crazy. And then walking into the fight with the robe, and then going on the cage with like how many people were there? Like ten thousand people. Yeah. And then they announced your name over the microphone, like, boom, like, I made it and shit, right? That was yeah. cool, right? Yeah. I, I would have never thought. So that, that was cool. Mm -hmm. um, as far as, as life, I'd probably have to say today. I, I, I live on a day-to-day -day basis, man, and uh, I'm really grateful that I get to do stuff like this. Like, I should be, you know, six feet under right now. I was headed that way, you know? Um, I think uh, from the day I got clean and sober to this day, <clears throat> being able to give back and help other people not fucking go the way I was going. Um, that comes on a daily basis. Like, today I get to go home, had a good day, got to do some cool stuff on the podcast, and I, and, I, and I go to bed clean and sober and then, you know, pray that I can do that again tomorrow, you know. So that's me living in the moment. Like, that's not me of self. I learned all this shit by authors and going to meetings and shit, but this shit works. So that helps me just to stay... You know, at the end of the day, we're just all trying to stay sane, man. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we're trying to stay sane, and uh, we got families that we got to get back to at the end of the night. Definitely. And, or jobs. And uh, so that, just being able to do simple things like this. You know, I enjoy stuff like this. You know, I don't need to be at the top of, uh, you know, Mount Everest and shit like that. You know, I, I get my adrenaline a different way now. So. By, by, before, I was buying cups, glasses. <laughs> Staying in the cups, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even him. think they make glass now, right? I have to all import it or something. It's all because of you. It's all what you did. <laughs> right? right? You know, I told him coming to our bathroom, like, I'm still exploring that, my mentality of always moving forward. I have no kids. I'm like, why don't I have any kids? You know, and he told me. Do you want kids, Eddie? Well, I did. And he told me, well, maybe if you had kids, you'd be looking at, like, why aren't you where you're at now? So I'm still trying to be able to talk about it and figure out why... I am the way I am. I just keep moving forward. I, I'm I'm on autopilot. I do what I need to do to get it done, whether it's work, relationships, or whatever. You know, I am. I, I think you need to be in a relationship, honest and genuine. I don't believe in all the cheating and all that other crazy stuff. But then again, how does a, if I am a lion, find a lioness? 
you know, yeah. nowadays. That's a whole other topic. Oh, right? yeah. It's brutal out there. Mm -hmm. Everybody's an Instagram model. Yeah. You need likes to fill that void in you. Mm -hmm. See, again, when we were fighting, there was no Instagram. There was no Facebook. We didn't need your fucking likes. Right. I don't need you to like me. Right. Matter of fact, I don't even think we took our girls down to some of the fights at that time. Because we went down there like on a mission. And a lot of howlers don't need you to like them. No. Whether you got Instagram, Facebook, you don't need no likes. You go you know, do this because you love all, it. Like posting all that shit up all the time and look at me and, you know, I'm an actress. They all act the same on the mattress. Uh, oh, I said that. That's um, one of the things I, I li like. I if don't people don't give me nah, respect, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, if people <laughs> if, if if people don't give me respect or whatever, I don't need it. I appreciate it if they do, right. but I got it for myself. Right. You know what yeah, I mean? And right. I think that's the mentality of a howler. Oh, for right. sure. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, sheep find safety in numbers, right? As a, as a howler. If other howlers don't want to hang me, cool. I'll go do my own thing, <laughs> right? You're still gonna eat. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. still gonna eat, right? So yeah, I get it. I think no. I, I think, think a lot of people aren't used to being around people like us, you know. So yeah, I don't know. But we, I mean, look, we get that same thing. I'm always cool to everybody, you know. Even like nowadays, like I said, I was saying earlier, I don't fly any MMA shirts. I don't run around like a badass. And even at the gym I train at, you got dudes in there shadow boxing. <laughs> we call them Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And they're doing their moves <laughs> and they're looking around. You know, hey, are you done with that machine? Yeah, I'm, I'm done, bro. You know, and I'm just. They That's hilarious. I, I see it oh too all God. the time. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I'm like, you know, they 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 need that validation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They need somebody to say, oh, or they they're That's doing it, it to be like the big the big dog in the gym. Well, they think they are. But I know, like I lived it. You ain't no big dog, dude. Let me <laughs> let, let me see what you do with four dudes fresh, You're five minutes each, and 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 getting shit beat out of you. So that's something I struggle with now. Getting older is the community or the environment that we've become, and and the needs for the likes and the needs for everyone to try to outdo themselves. I I think I posted my new car one time. You know, I don't post it all the time or make a big deal about it. Um, I don't really post my businesses too much. I, I think your car could it. do its own interview. What's that? My car? Your car, yeah. yeah. But you know what I mean? Like I, I see your car it. today. Again, like I said. In front, in front of the gym. Yes, it was. But you know, I like, remember I said earlier, the higher you soar, the smaller you appear to those that cannot fly. That, when I read Nietzsche, that stuck in my head, man, so much. And then the other Nietzsche quote I love is, when you stare in the abyss, you become the abyss. So if you're hanging around with that type of people, you're going to become that. So now, as an older gentleman, I'm trying to navigate my way through this new era of social media and people. I have tons of people that ask me, why don't you post on TikTok your moves as a trainer and you holding pads and show people what you do? I say, for what? Why do I need to show? What, whose approval? I need 20 likes or some fucking dude in Alaska saying, wow, that dude's a badass or some dude making a comment. Oh, man, he's wearing the wrong color shorts. I, I don't, I don't need, like, like, I don't know you. And you're not, this is probably fucked up on my head. Like, again, I said earlier, you're not at my level. I can't relate to you. I don't need to hear, I don't need any validation from you. Mm -hmm. The validation that I like is from my peers and the people that I trust in my inner circle. And um, and being open open to what they have to say and listening. And again, I'll finish with this. If you're gonna be Batman physically, you have to be Batman mentally. You gotta continue to work on yourself always. Head and your body. 
your physicality, and your mentality. Yeah. I, actually, I actually was um, been doing that this year. That's kind of my new thing. I think it's because I'm getting older too. So it's yeah. like, I mean, you have to work on both. This might be the most important, actually, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have to have the mental fortitude to get in the gym and work out every day, to get up and deal with customers yelling at you and telling you to fuck off. Or, you know, sometimes I have customers and they don't know I'm the owner. Oh, I want to speak to the owner. Or I want this or that. And, and you got to deal with that and you got to smile. And you got to brush it off and you got to keep moving forward. Or uh, on the way over here, Phil got two phone calls from people that he's uh, sponsored, they're correct? Or That's counseling. Guys I work with. Yeah, guys know, that he works yeah. with, helped out. I mean, so we're all busy in a certain way. And when you get home, how do you how do you unwind and brush all that stuff off? I think I think that's what's really important. Mentality. Uh huh. And and for me, I'm, I'm a Google fanatic. Like my biggest thing in life right now, and I want to talk about that maybe in the next podcast. I'd love to talk about what I'm writing, and I know Phil's working on some writing stuff too. But I'm all about the reset. How to reset your life at any age. Mm-hmm. How to reset your life and have a manual where you could check it off. I'm doing this, this, and that, and become a new person better than who you were or become the same person who you used to be that you lost get to that level that you used to be because you can get to that level you might not be at that level physically but you can be at that level here definitely you know and and really taking the chance to fucking love life to really embrace life and wake up every day and it's no secret if you look at the documentary life in the cage that we did back in the day the first one i say hey You guys are blessed. We're able to beat the shit out of each other on a mat. There's kids in the hospital with no legs or in wheelchairs or dying. And you're fucking crying because I punched you in the fucking face? Mm -hmm. And you see this fucking kid right here? This poor kid? I don't mean to say fucking kid, but he's in a wheelchair. He'll never know what it's like to kick somebody in the head or whatever. That's something that's been really important to me. Mm -hmm. It's always taking taking a good look (laughs) at the good things you have. This is Howls Over Baz. We thank you so much, Phil and Eddie, for coming out. Um, we got to have you guys again. Yeah. Thanks for all your words of wisdom, you know. Thank you, guys. both you guys. Yeah, Yeah, this was very cool.